The Happy Pair podcast is sponsored by Vivo Barefoot. Use the code HAPPYPAIR15 to get 15% off at checkout. This week's podcast is with Seth Hughes. Seth Hughes over a matter of months has gone from zero followers on Instagram up to over 100,000 in a matter of months. It shows a huge appetite for his message about reconnecting with nature. He's become a wonderful advocate for rewilding and reconnecting to the natural world. He's a young 25-year-old man that really we talk about the conversation of using social media to talk about the the age-old message of connecting with nature. He's got a beautiful way of describing it that we are always connected with nature. It is our nature to be part of nature. And it's really just about becoming aware of it and starting with where you're at. He's got a beautiful message around talking about mobile phones and his own usage and story around that. And we discuss masculinity and what it's like as a 20-something-year-old and his own views and experience of what it is to be a man in today's age. It was a really wonderful conversation. We got to spend time in person, show him the farm and really explore what it is to be, like we joked about being a rewilding influencer, but in lots of ways, Seth really is helping encourage and influence people to rewild and connect with the natural world. Speaking of putting things into practice, we gave up alcohol 20 years ago just for two weeks just to see what the change was and it had a massive positive catalyst in our lives. This January, at the start of January, we're we're running our alcohol-free challenge again. It's four weeks to support you to give up alcohol and to see the actual benefits which emerge, connecting with your more authentic self. It's not even to give it up, it's to take a break and to experience how it affects you. Because alcohol, many people are mid-lane drinkers and don't realise how alcohol can just be an anchor that's holding you back. And by taking a small little break, it gives that opportunity to reflect and just to see, wow, so that's our alcohol-free challenge starting at the start of January. Full details are on our website or in the show notes of this podcast. Seth, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Really, really thank is. Thank you for coming, really. Lovely to have you here in person. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah, pleasure really, really is. Here. Okay, as I said, all we need is one question to kick this off. Reconnection. What does reconnection mean to you, Seth? Just remembering, I think. There's not much. The connection already exists. And anything... The only avenue I can kind of go down with reconnection is uncovering what's already there in, in inside yourself in relation to the natural world. There's not you're, you're not like you don't have to plug anything back in. It's just remembering that the plug is in. You know, amazing. I, I, that's a beautiful. I, way I love the it. idea of like it's already there. It's remembering, yeah. and I think like right now you're totally hitting a nerve. A nerve, at least in social media, that people are really wanting to hear. Like you've. You've only been on Instagram for a number of months and I've mm-hmm. already accumulated over 100,000 followers. Your, some of your videos have 5 million views. Like you are flying it because your message is hitting a nerve and that people are really resonating. And what, is the, what is the message that you really, like if you just dial your message down to like, what is your message that you're really trying to transmute to people? Yeah, I don't know. It's a hard one that. Because I, I think I'm slowly trying to give words to that message and I keep finding myself in places where I'm turning the feeling inside myself into a why or a more like kind of written down message so I can convey that. But at the moment, it still seems to, mainly it's the strength of a feeling inside me. I guess if I had to put it into some kind of, the words seem to never really, whenever I write down any kind of why or what I'm doing, that never quite seems quite seems right. But um, it's just, again, going back to that remembrance, that reminder that, that, that we're that we're from the earth. That that's as simple as that. You know, the, all all the things we need are here. We don't need to design our way out of a problem. Most of our culture seems to be based on designing our way out of problems that largely don't exist in nature. It seems like, and it's just to remind people that you, we don't we don't need to be spending our time 
solving so much, I suppose, you know? Yeah, because right now in modern day society, many, many of us feel disconnected, feel mm -hmm. isolated, lack, um, lack connection, really. Um, but, but, but interesting enough, like that you said, it's not, we don't need to be replugged in. Like, can you talk more about that? Like, because I think that's a really mm. good message. It's similar to kind of the way that people talk about, I don't know, some like enlightenment or kind of being on the spiritual path or something. There's nothing to actually do. There's nothing to acquire. You don't like, I get questions a lot. Like, how do I, how do I connect to nature more? It's like, you are, you, 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 you couldn't ever not be like, where do you think you've come from? And it's just a reminder that, that you're that anyway, you can deepen that connection. You can become more aware of it to be able to reconnect implies that you've managed to separate yourself. Like, Nothing's separate. There's not a single thing in the unit. Like we've all come from women. We've all come from other humans. We all, we're all supported by food systems. Like no one's an isolated event. No, there's no such thing as these isolated events. We rely on more, more things every day than we can, than we can ever name. So to imagine yourself separate to any of that is, uh, you just, you just couldn't possibly be. Yeah, and, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet the irony is that loneliness is at like an all time high yeah. and there's more and more people feeling isolated you know on their own separate like you know it's such a common totally, feeling in yeah, our yeah. western cultures in our first world industrial nations yet like and that's why i think what you're saying is so refreshing that it's like no matter how anyone who's listening is feeling or if they're feeling isolated or lonely or you know whatever those kind of words on that spectrum which convey separation mm -hmm. it's not it can't fundamentally be true yeah it can definitely feel true you know it can absolutely feel true um and then to reclaim that separation, there's well that the that illusion of separation. You can go down a million different rabbit holes, you know, to try and get back to that point. But it still doesn't get over the fact that you just are, you know, no matter. And I don't know. Everywhere you look, it makes you feel that you're that you're separate in our kind of modern culture in many ways. It's through the process of elimination that you realise that you're that 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 you've always been kind of connected to the to the natural world. What do you mean by that? As in it's true eliminating some of the vices of modern day society. Maybe, Is that you yeah. Mean? yeah. Like eliminating, of, yeah. possibly our, our, our social media is quite addictive. Yeah. And it's designed typically, you know, where the product is in our attention is mm. the product. But it's a distraction and something to feel separate because it's in this little, little yeah, box yeah. that we can't quite get at. Yeah, exactly. But, but I guess it's kind of even coming back to and kind of going like, you know, you're 24, like you're not like... 25 now. Or 25, 25 now, yeah, congratulations, yeah. happy birthday. Um, like, so you really are like, you're a young man, you know, you're, you're, uh, there's so much of the world ahead of you, you know, um, touch wood. And um, like, how did you come to this, this idea? Like, and it's obviously it's a, it's a beautiful way of thinking that mm -hmm. there's no way that each, that any person can be separate because we're fundamentally part of nature, mm -hmm. we're fundamentally connected to one another. And how, like, t tell us a little bit about, like, how this has evolved within your own experience. Even kind of like, I know you've moved, you, you were, you, you wanted to be a pro surfer. That was mm. a dream of yours. Yeah, yeah. So obviously being a surfer, you're definitely connected to nature. You're out at the sea. I think so, you, yeah. You're like in flow with the elements. You have to be in flow to be up on the board. I think that's a part of my life that maybe I don't really realize is as fundamental as, as it is, if you know what I mean. It's probably had more of an impact on my life than I've realized. I've spent so many hours in the ocean, you know, even, even though I didn't grow up by the coast, still even now I've got so many years of surfing and, and being in the ocean under my belt that 
I think that's had a huge part to play in my kind of connection with with wildness, I suppose, because because we've destroyed so much wilderness on the land of of Europe of and the and the land around the world as well. You know, wilderness on land is quite hard to come by, particularly in in Britain and and in Ireland, maybe even more so in Ireland. Um, but the ocean is still wild, you know. So I think that no one's kind of tamed that in in that kind of way, I suppose. So the hours spent there in an environment that can like pull you in all sorts of different directions. You've got to have, have your wits about you, but it's it's also really beautiful. And to keep kind of pushing yourself in those environments in like bigger and bigger waves and colder and colder sessions and all that kind of stuff. I suppose that probably was a big part of that, you know, that, um, uh, what's it like? Almost like awakening that part of yeah, yourself. Yeah, like an that, initiation maybe, you know, yeah. like an initiation into quite wild environments, which I think a lot of cultures, kind of more indigenous cultures had for younger people um, in in the wilderness on land, let's say. And maybe I had a sliver of that in the sea, in the ocean. Yeah, kinda, yeah. It, it almost teaches you to, sur to surrender and be in the moment mm -hmm. and just to trust it. Yeah. Like there is a trust because the waves are too big. It's like, I can't swim through you. Like, I yeah, gotta, yeah. you're going to take me where you're going to take me. How can I do it in the safest way possible? And you take you get hit as well, you know. Like, so. Oh, you get bashed. You get bashed around. So you aged, it was 16, you said you left London because your mother wanted to kind of start a new, almost reconnect to nature. Yeah, I think and it was you were really. forced to do the same. Yeah, we, we didn't realise it, but... Um, only after moving did we realize that my mum's side of the family is all from Cornwall. We hadn't realized. And uh, so there was something calling us there, but we didn't, didn't really know what that was. Um, but moved move from London when I was 16. and But I'd had been surfing for a few years before that. So did weekend. you have friends in, or did you have or did you have to restart a whole new nucleus of friends? Mm -hmm. That's new, tough new as everything. a 16-year-old. It did feel tough. It was really, really intimidating. And I, I fell into an amuse, amazing group of friends relatively fast at the college I went to. Um, and that was really like the first time I'd ever, I think, probably experienced what true friends really were, you know. Um, so, I mean, it was an amazing move in, in every way. And the, the one thing that's amazing about that is like, you know, the way you have friends throughout and then when you get to find new friends as a 16 year old, because mm. your perspective has probably changed. And sometimes if you've got old friends, they might see in the way that they know, oh, you're this way, mm. but you might not have the capacity to change as much. Yeah, you get to go, go, this is set the 16 year old. This mm. isn't set with the legacy of being a 10 year old and my friends yeah, being exactly. a 10. So it's, it's start like it really is a, a fresh perspective mm. in a sense. Yeah. You get to start again. And that, and I think I didn't realize I needed it at the time. Like I think, when you're when you're a kid and you've been in one place that's your world you don't you've got nothing to compare it to and obviously my my mum older wiser woman she could maybe see the environments i was flourishing in the environments i wasn't flourishing in and yeah she definitely wanted to move west as well but i think she really saw the need in me as well and she she see this saw the kind of environments that would light me up and then i think probably chose it for for both of us and like i i owe so much to her for that move um, to doing something that as a kind of, I suppose, like quite an anxious teenager, I wouldn't have, I remember saying to like, mom, I don't really know if I want to do that. And then she kind of pulled the plug and was like, no, it's happening. And it was like the best, best move, you know, so. And there you get into photography. It was around that time. Around that kind of time. Yeah. About a year into that. So I moved to kind of, to surf more and then. With my, the illusions of becoming a professional surfer. Yeah. Started to kind of, yeah. I'm going to do it. I know it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I probably always knew that 
there was part of me that always knew that I wasn't quite up to up to scratch, which was fine. But I still want, really wanted to travel, I think, at that time and just be around surfing. And that's even now, I mean, I can't really get away from it. And it's I couldn't see myself ever living somewhere where I couldn't surf. You know, it really, no matter what direction my life takes me now, like it does have a pretty tight grip surfing. You know? It's one of the and few then, yeah. it's one of the few sports that we've done as adults kind of gone like, oh, wow, I can see this. This is like, mm. this could pull me in really deep if yeah. I, if I put my foot in the accelerator as well, like I would, I, I'm very attracted to, like it ticks so many boxes. It really there's, does, yeah. Like it's mindfulness, it's wild, it's in nature, there's free, there's connection with the water, there's surrender, there's so many life lessons mm. which you do out there. And community which, as well, you know. Yeah, the, the type of surfers tend to be, you know, it attracts a certain type of person which is, tends to be an open-minded and that led led into filming. I mean, a lot of people who work in the photography and videography world, they have started in the action sports world, it seems like, you know, started filming their mates, taking photos of their mates. And that was the same thing for me. And then it just led into all sorts of other kinds of jobs off the back of that because I had connections within the within the surf world, you know, friends who were sponsored by surf companies and you get little jobs here and there. And, the, and then that, that was kind of it then. I was just like, oh, I'm filming things and just kept finding myself in environments where I had a camera in my hand, you know. If you've been following us for any length of time, you will know that the only footwear we wear is Vivo Barefoot. Back a number of years ago, probably about seven years ago, friend Tony Riddle said, lads, what foot size are you? And I was like, what do you mean, Tony? He said, I'm going to get you a pair of shoes that are going to change your life. And I was like, come on, it's a pair of shoes. Uh, he got us these black Vivo Barefoot shoes. And since that day, the only shoes I wear, whether I'm on the farm, whether I'm going running, whether I'm doing whatever I'm doing, I only wear Vivo Barefoot shoes. So much so, last night he we had a party and it was a fancy dress party and Stephen wore a tux and he wore his black Vivo barefoot normally shoes. Normally I wear like, you got to wear those pointy kind of dress shoes with a heel on them and your my feet normally hurt afterwards. And uh, I was wearing these cool, I think they're Addis is the, the style and I felt like I wanted to go skateboarding. Like I felt cool in them and groovy. I think wearing Vivo barefoot shoes, studies have shown that if you wear... Vivo Barefoot shoes for six months, your foot strength will increase by 60%. You get more feedback from the environment and they encourage you to move more. As we were saying, they're the only shoes we've worn for the last seven years and we've sought them out and become good friends with them. They're an amazing business, a B Corp business and really about doing the best that they can do as a business to better the world. They've offered you 15% discount off any Vivo Barefoot shoes. They have a full range of women's, men's, kids in all different styles. Uh, simply use the code HAPPYPAIR15 at the checkout. And really, we found it to be so beneficial for building strong knees, hips, backs, and for general, like I really find it helps me move more and feel more at home in my body. And what will that code give you? It gives you 15% discount off any pair of Vivo Barefoot shoes. Just go to vivobarefoot.com. And use the code HAPPYPAIR15 to get 15% off. And for years, you tried to stay off social media. Yeah, you kind well, of used a dumb phone, or it was something that you were kind of yeah, and very, feel very tempted right now actually to go back to it to the dumb phone. Yeah, definitely. we'll even talk about that. Like, what made you so obviously? Like, you grew up where social media and smartphones mm -hmm. were just prevalent. That was all you knew from you know maybe you were ten or something. They've been around yeah whatever. Whereas we grew up, you know, right through we were twenty something by the time phones came out. So it wasn't part of our life, and social media wasn't prevalent. Like what? Like what made you? jump on board it and you know i'd love to hear yeah, more about your a, relationship with phones my relationship and technology with, with social media is tough it's one of the things that like grips me kryptonite yeah it's like <gasps> and that and and youtube and and tv and it's like the the habits i've formed around those kind of vices are i i form those habits at such a young age that i find them so hard to, to separate from 
like I really struggled to have an iPhone in my pocket. And it's like so deep in there that like wanting to scroll or wanting to watch YouTube videos or that's where the comfort zone is, you know? And um, I don't know how to detach from that. I don't know how to have a healthy relationship with that because I haven't met it as an adult, you know? If you kind of, you know, there's a reason why people aren't kind of encouraged to, well, you're not really meant to be drinking until you're a certain age or, or whatever. Like there's a reason for that. And I think social media is similar because I've got this kind of, you know, you, you hear stories of, of older, of older people who start smoking when they're 11 or something, you know, and it's like, it's those years where you start a habit where you just, it's so hard to break. What an amazing analogy that it's like learning smoking from 11 or drinking yeah. from 11 or one of these type of things that maybe in time it will be, you'll need to be older to yeah. actually be part and of especially it. Especially when they get built into your like routine, you know, it's like, a day at school that you didn't want to have and you come in and you go straight to the fridge and you get like like a bowl of cereal and you sit, put YouTube on and then you just numb out for two hours after school because you didn't like it. And I still find myself doing that process now. Just you know? coming back. Just being like What's that. A cereal of choice? What cereal would you pick? I don't know. I'm, I'm probably not cereal these days. It's probably something a bit more healthy, but it's still that same like bowl come in, bowl of food, bowl of porridge, some toast, put some YouTube on, scroll on my phone. And I sometimes I catch myself. I'm like, man, I've been doing this since I was a teenager, since I was 13 or something. And it's just so deep in there. And I don't know if that's for everyone or if it's just kids who grew up in cities or well, whatever I think it's it for it's everyone. Just... We all have habits that when, yeah. when you, you need comfort, there need are things comfort, that, yeah. that well, they're almost need... like actions that when you feel a certain lowness or a certain kind of heaviness, it's yeah. like, just to recharge, this copes, you know? this, this helps me deal with it. Totally, yeah. I think that type of Well, it certainly is it like it's a double-edged sword. Like we, we use it lots with work mm -hmm. and it's brilliant. I've never had a personal account. They've always been, you know, the happy pair accounts. But it was back a few years ago, I noticed, I just found that I taught all these people who I looked at on, on Instagram that these were my friends. Mm. Like, oh, I wonder, I better check out my friends or this is work. Yeah. And and every, I found it just eroded all that, like sitting on the toilet, standing in a bus stop, standing anywhere, just like such a reflex mm. that I, I consciously said, I'm not looking at it. And yeah. I only looked today just to see. And my average per week is 18 minutes. Mm, social really, media so, really and that's just because and that's posting mm -hmm. that's posting stuff because it's like I just made a real I don't look at it I don't yeah. look at it my phone because it just it's so attractive it just pulls you in mm. and it was almost like I felt like I had to make those hard rules yeah Um, and I, I'd look at my laptop but it's not really addictive on a laptop Like not so much yeah it's different isn't it no certainly like Instagram or and I, I've never had TikTok because mm -hmm. I know it's yeah, I'm just, it's, I try it's like the heroin there, yeah. of social media. And then how did you decide to have a dumb phone or how did that work? Or did you have that for a while? Yeah, I had a, had a dumb phone for a while just because I deleted. I kind of just reached a point where I didn't want any of this stuff. Like I wasn't even sure if I wanted to make videos. I wanted to get rid of all technology. I wanted to run and live become in the Become a Luddite. Yeah, exactly. And just go and I want to just become a tree. I yeah, really want to become a tree. <laughs> That'd be ideal. And just uh, just absorb the sun and that's it. That's all you need. Um, it's tough in the UK though. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it was just like the kind of, now I look back, it's like there's an element of like naivety, I suppose. But, you know, there's just, there's just like a really dominant voice in my head that just doesn't want to live the way that we all live, you know? And I think that's, that's true for maybe a lot of people I spend time with now. But also not, not knowing how to get out of that, you know, there's not like the kind of the culture that we've built for ourselves is, it, it's like kind of impossible to leave as well, you know? In the times, say you went back a few hundred years ago, I don't want to kind of romanticize the past in this in this kind of way, but if you have... But please allow me. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> say you have countries that are like big towns and cities with wilderness in between, you'd get people who kind of move into civilization out of choice or people who maybe live 
in the wilderness and you get this kind of this um spectrum of 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 culture within an within a within a place i think people who maybe really depend on nature people who have decided that maybe that's not what they want to do and they want to live more and more in civilization um and i think for most of most of history that's been that's been true you get to like you get to pick at what point on the spectrum of civilization you kind of have to you, you want to live on mainly uh, if you're lucky you get to pick mm. um now you have to play that you have to play the game of the of the system because the living off nature living in living in the woods living in the wilderness that doesn't exist especially now like the uk's moved out, like left europe i'm locked to that island that's where i get to live and there's nowhere that you can go where you can just go and build a shelter in the woods and live off food. like you no. have to play the game of the system you have to own the woods well, you, you have gotta... to own the woods you have to you have to have done something to get enough money to buy the woods play the system just to get to a point where you can sleep under a tarp you know Otherwise, it's it's kind of illegal. There's not even anywhere to, the, even the right to roam laws are like highly, highly challenged. You know, so I started social media because it. I knew I was going to have to play the game somehow. I wasn't going to be able to separate myself from the system, and the and the culture that I'd grown up in. There wasn't really another option. It felt like maybe there are, maybe there are maybe there are people who've done it who live completely underground who I don't know about, but I knew that if I kind of wanted to the liberation from the culture seemed like had to go through the culture to get it. Yeah, well, it's a bit like anything, you know, if you're looking for enjoyment, you need to go through a hell of a lot of pain mm. to get, you know, your satisfaction is only after pain. Like that's mm -hmm. like having a child is the most incredible gift you can get, but it certainly ain't a whole lot of, you know, totally, yeah. it's a lot of challenging the joy situations. Comes in a package of equal proportions of challenges mm -hmm. and hardship. And yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, mm. that to get to this idyllic place, which you're talking about, you need to, you know, make your way, find your way through mm. modern culture, which is capitalism. And it's, yeah. it's very even different. When we started the shop, I, I wanted to create it as a charity because it wasn't about business. Although mm -hmm. I did a degree in masters in business where it was kind of money was very idealized. I very much decided this is a social mission. This isn't about money. Mm -hmm. And it was only dad that said, listen, lads, you probably have a greater effect from within the system as opposed to separate yeah. from it. I think you should set it up as a business. And I was like, okay, dad, we'll follow you. Yeah, you're older than us, you're smarter than us. But there was definitely, like, we can definitely relate to that as 21, like back when we were 21, <laughs> 22, because we both would have gone on our walkabouts and spent lots of time sleeping rough, mm -hmm. like sleeping rough under tarps and sleeping at the side of the road and sleeping in homeless shelter, like just trying mm -hmm. all sorts of different things of what else is on offer in life other mm -hmm. than modern, to getting a job, getting a job and trying to buy a house and get mm -hmm. married and, you know, like all the things that you're programmed and to do. And exploring is the spiritual life I want to get in. Mm -hmm. Maybe I do, but I'm not sure. I feel like I should be a part of it. I don't know. And, and, and very often it's not like you make a conscious decision. It's more mm. like you're following your nose and life brings you to a certain Probably, yeah. place. It's so really, that, yeah, so I definitely yeah, really resonate with that. You know, it's just that all these kind of things come from the just like, fuck this kind of actually, I don't want to be part of this game. And then, yeah. And then, well, you just Seth, maybe come back, come you back. gotta play it from the inside out, maybe. Yeah. Or but, like but it's a bit like as you said at the start there. You said that like there's we cannot be separate. Like we are yeah. fundamentally connected. Exactly. There's nothing to be plugged in. Exactly. And it's the same it's way. The same thing. The game, like this idea. Well, it's a word. Like you know, this yeah. idea of modern culture. You're always part of modern culture because you're human. You're here now. And yeah. running away from it into mm -hmm. the woods is one way to deal with it. But as you said, the challenges in the current industrial mm -hmm. Western nations is that. It doesn't need, help if I run off and do and solve it for myself. That was the other thing. Like it didn't, if, if I managed to do that and I create a life for myself, like outside of that system, there would always be part of me that feels like 
you you could be of better use to your community if you if you showed other people maybe how how they can have some maybe some kind of liberation from that as well you know mm. i didn't feel i don't think that i would have would have been fulfilled from that anyway yeah you, you, know? you talked about there like a few minutes ago about there's a voice in your head that's kind of almost that it's almost like something deep within mm. you is it's it's coming from a place of absolute frustration mm. with you're a 24 year old you there's all these he's 25 now but as a 24 year yeah. old or 23 year old you're feeling all these things and you're you're not feeling like you fit in i don't want mm. to go get a job i don't want to be i want to feel connected with nature i want to find my own way mm. which is not go get a job and buy a house like where do i fit where do i fit in this spectrum and like what else does that what else did that voice or what else are those frustrations which you were feeling or are feeling because like these things don't just go away well firstly i mean it comes from from the immense privilege that i had a choice I suppose that I had time on my hands to make a decision. You know, even that is, is the blessing, you know, that I didn't, I wasn't forced into a certain avenue of, of university or jobs or getting on a property ladder or whatever. I had a bit of time to make a decision. Um, so I think maybe a lot the voices get loud because I have the time to allow them to be loud and then to be able to act from there. So many of the things it feels like in our, in our culture, they're like, they're playing off the idea of nostalgia or wildness or eco this or green that or whatever. And it's like, we're trying to get into the core of it, but no one can quite get in there. And I have this like craving for, I guess just some kind of craving for like a real life, I suppose, where I kind of feel legit or the, the community, the community I'm from feels kind of real. Authentic. Yeah, and what, authentic. Are the, what are the kind of main pillars of that or that? Like if you were to try to articulate, what are the main pillars that you're not spending all of our time, trying to solve problems that don't really exist you know trying to solve like no spending more of our time solving problems of like things like real food how, how do we how do we feed a community with real food you know that's like a that's like an authentic pursuit as opposed from like just so many of the problems that we're trying to solve as a modern culture they're they're problems that we're trying to solve based on someone else failing to solve that problem 100 years ago and that it like kicks the bu the bucket down the track we're trying to like deal with all of these problems out in the periphery that these problems out in the periphery get created because we haven't solved the core ones and we don't really spend any of our time trying to solve the core ones. And if we put all of our kind of energy trying to solve what it means, like the, the, the problems of being humans yeah. on earth, it would then have a knock-on effect just to solve the out, outer ones. But we're always just like, should we or should we not build that bridge or like whatever. Like, or the Wi-Fi, how do we get the Wi-Fi quicker? Yeah. Or, or, you know, it's, it's, they're, yeah. you, they're very often related to money and power yeah. and, and just the, 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 the problems that you're trying to solve based off the problem of the previous year, you know, it just like kicks the bucket, whatever, you know? Mm. No, I get you. Yeah. yeah you know I mean? get you. I'm sure there's a better way of describing that, but, no, but sure. um, yeah. well, you know, like fossil fuels are, are quite a good example, you know, like for some reason, someone thought that we needed to go faster in cars, in planes, whatever. And I'm, they may well have been right, but that like through that process of designing a combustion engine to solve the problem of going too slowly and connecting more things and more people that kicked the bucket down the track of, of a fossil fuel problem, you know, and digging up the oil reserve problem, you know, and whereas had you tackled the original problem better, maybe that maybe you didn't need to constantly expand an economy. Maybe it could be more localized. Maybe everyone doesn't need a car, you know, and you applied that degrowth a hundred years ago, maybe you wouldn't even need to solve the problem of, of how do you get people everywhere around the planet all the time? 
It'd be right. nice to see that alternative to be reality a now. It'd be a different, it'd lovely, it'd be a different set of problems. It'd love me to go back and A-B yeah. test it and see what, okay, we've gone down this road. Yeah. Where's, where are all our counter? Where's but I think, the, isn't it ultimately that life, there's always going to be problems there's always opposition. Problems, and there's yeah. always like there, at least the older I get, the more I realise that like, even on the best of days that mm. you will ever have in this existence, the wind's going to be in your face and it might even rain mm. and something difficult is going to happen. And it's like, it's not that happening. It's how you deal with it. And totally. it's like, I, I think... There's always going to be problems in life, and I think it's how we can create the awareness that we can dance with the problems and embrace Absolutely, them and go, yeah. listen, life's shit sometimes, and that's great. Yeah. I like shit. You know, it's, I think the more we can, rather than pursue life as in this place of reaching contentment or happiness or this mm-hmm. destination and more enjoy the the ups and downs and mm. the struggles. And the it's That's easy to say, like, you know, it but sounds it almost complacent, like, I... I but yeah, no, at a fundamental spiritual level, I do agree. Mm-hmm. But at the level which most of us are playing at, which is, well, I just want to get enough money to pay my rent and then I'm going out on Friday night and I want to get, you know, and that's the level that you're brought into so much as a human and part of society. You're like, oh, well, we need to get this and do this and go on holiday. You know, there's all these things that tend to take up, as you're saying, peripheral problems rather mm-hmm. than core problems of kind of going, well, you know, can we slow down a little more if each of us evolve and become a little bit more self-aware and slow down and are more considerate and mindful, maybe that creates a different ripple than this busyness, which seems to be so prolific and stress and anxiety and these Mm -hmm. type of factors. Yeah. There we go. Okay, just to move the conversation on. So masculinity, Mm -hmm. you're a 25-year-old man. You've, um, you know, you've had a very interesting, as you said, a privileged upbringing. You were looking to be a professional surfer, photographer, and now you've, you've, you've created this, platform really uh, your Instagram channel Mm -hmm. which has kind of gone from nothing to uh, more than a hundred thousand followers in in just a few months with your kind of core message like what is like masculinity I know something you're curious about could you talk about that because like there's 20 years difference between Mm. ourselves and yourself I think we're yet to see on a large scale what healthy masculinity looks like and I think there's so few people out there who really embody healthy well-rounded masculinity that when we try and have conversations about it we almost don't know what the other person means by masculinity like we all come at it from such different angles of what the what the word even means and it can be so charged in so many different ways um, and i think collectively we're uncovering what that kind of masculinity what healthy masculinity looks like um i think there's There's like, you know, it feels like everyone I meet has problems with men, basically. Problems with their own fathers. Um, And there seems to be this, this lack of a communal father, you know. Everyone seems to be so lacking in, in father, in the feeling of, guidance of masculinity of the the guidance of the masculine and both men and in both men and women and for men and women you know and i think it's um my dad died about a year ago and that really kind of spurred like looking for what looking for a new version of the father you know and i don't just mean a father but like the, that kind of maybe m- that represented the represented m- that male. Masculine. And what would he even to like? How would you articulate like a well-rounded, balanced 
mask you know, or the still mask like, I'm still uncovering it for myself and I don't know exactly what it means and it's of course it's like a very fluid thing I guess what does Cause, it mean because certainly today? in the 80s yeah what does it mean certainly today? in the yeah. 80s and 90s when we were growing up um, like you know the heroes was, it was Hulk mm-hmm. Hogan it was there was the Marlboro Man there was mm-hmm. you know there was B.A. Totally. Baracus there was they were big powerful what Arnold Schwarzenegger could, could fix everything MacGyver MacGyver these yeah, were exactly. the TV shows that we were watching as young kids as yeah. a man for us was very much well it's someone who can do lots and like doesn't speak that strong. much but it's strong and big and tough and is there to mm-hmm. hold the world up when it needs it and that was it and then we grew up playing rugby and there was that you know, masculine, kind of not the nice side of masculine, it was the macho side and, you know, even traveling to macho cultures, like, you know, your Latina cultures Mm -hmm. where there is quite a macho energy. Um, And then now we've spent 20 years in the wellness space, which is definitely not masculine. It's very much on the, more in the feminine energy Mm. um, that it's amazing to see. You know, my perspective has changed hugely on what what it is to be a man. And it's changed so much, like, uh, like I see it, like there was no option. We didn't have the, there wasn't a conversation, a cultural conversation about what it is to be a man or masculine. When we were in our twenties, you know, it wasn't something, it was just got on with it really. It wasn't mm. really, whereas nowadays I do see a lot of young men looking for, you know, looking for what it is to be a man or how mm. does this type of thing. So it seems like it's, there's, there's a gap or there's something that we're missing in our society or guidance or whatnot. Mm. To me, I'm kind of almost going back to the, the gentleman where you can have a clear boundary and you can mm. be strong when needed to, so, but you yeah. can also be caring, compassionate, nurturing, supportive, mm-hmm. but you can uphold the boundaries and you can support exactly. and provide when you need to. Yeah. That it's that you can, you can and it's oscillate. Both, yeah. You can oscillate between them. And, and you can be gentle, calm, nurturing, but yeah. you can also go, no, totally. enough. Yeah. And I'm learning that as a father. Yeah. And I think that that's basically, that's basically it, you know, and I don't think that gets, I, I don't think that's like a thing that's very commonly seen in, I, I don't know, in like, even in like pop culture, maybe, you know, I don't think there's not many like characters that, that are that well-rounded version of, of like masculinity that I can maybe think of in, maybe there are, but to me, maybe I don't feel like I've come across that. Like many. from TV shows. Yeah, or, exactly. Well, I think many virtues aren't celebrated. If you look back yeah. in older cultures, or at least in my romantic version of cultures, virtues were celebrated. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanted to be kind, gentle. You wanted to have good morals. You wanted to be an upstanding. Mm. You wanted to have a spine. One of the biggest criticisms was he's spineless. Yeah, yeah. As in he didn't do what he said he'd do. Mm-hmm. He lacked integrity. Whereas I remember even yesterday on that conversation with um, Arthur. Yeah. Arthur Brooks, it was very much like chatting with someone that was really deep in morality and was very into virtues. And it was like, wow, that's a... Whereas I think when you talk about popular culture nowadays, it's usually very good looking men. Like if we're talking about masculine, men are women that are very good looking and they Maybe have... they're funny. They're, they're good, they're good strong at saying the right bodies, at the right time. And they have some skill like singing or dancing or acting or these kind of... They're the, 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 the personification of the kind of... Of our culture, really. You know, it's rarely... Rarely, like it's the beauty culture. It's the beauty, you know, those mm. are the superficial, the, the superficial rather yeah. than morality and values. And maybe it's changing. I don't know. But like, because we're looking for quick fix, you know, you're like social media is the way we consume things now. Attention spans. I, I was re- reading about something that our attention spans, supposedly when you get, a, when you're get told, geez, you got attention span of a goldfish. 
that's actually a compliment now because supposedly <laughs> humans, goldfish can focus for nine seconds, whereas the average human can only focus for about eight seconds. So that's actually a compliment now to be told you got the attention span of a goldfish. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So Thanks, but what Dave. I was going to say there more about how we consume content and movies and social media is it's so quick and so that it can only be it mostly be in the animal part of our brain, which is, oh, they look good. Oh, they're doing something cool on a skateboard. Oh, wow. Look at that wave he jumped off because it just gets in that animal thing. If you've got three seconds to catch people's attention, it has to be kind of like animal rather than someone being really moral and smart. Mm. But maybe. Yeah, I think the middle ground isn't, isn't, just isn't really ever like praised that highly, is it? Because it doesn't jump out in your, in your face. Um, so how did, the, how did this journey, because I know you went off to one of these, like a, a sacred sons, I think it's called, some mm -hmm. kind of circle for me, masculine for mm. men and what it is to be a man. And how did that go or what does that look like? I don't know why I felt very cool to it. I just, it just came up about five years ago, six years ago. And I just felt that that was something I, I was like immediately quite uncomfortable by it. And this is before your father's passing. Yeah, yeah, long before. And for some reason I was like, oh my God, I don't want to be at that thing. But it stuck with me, you know? I don't and want to what, be what at it. Yeah, I'm drawn to it. What is yeah. this? A don't put your hand men. in the fire. Don't put your hand in the fire. Yeah, I yeah. Have to. It, was a bit, it was a bit like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was a gathering of, I don't really know how to explain it really. This one was a gathering of 150 men. And you go through various practices, I suppose, that that are designed to bubble your emotions up to the surface in different ways, you know? And it'd be different for each each man, you know? Um, each thing that you do is is like meant to kind of just cut under the surface a little bit. And then once you start to, it might touch a nerve. And once the facilitators see that the ner nerve has been touched, they then kind of like try and bring all of that out, you know, as opposed to like, shutting that down so for example one of the one of the practices you go through is like ritual combat which makes a lot of people really uncomfortable ritual with. combat as yeah. in like punching the head off one day. yeah yeah in boxing gloves and stuff but i was really nervous to do that I didn't ritual really, combat yeah. sounds cool Gladiators <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, was, it was like that you're in a circle people playing like a drum and stuff and someone like calls Are you they all going a g a g o a g o r o it was pretty like yeah it does it was amazing it was really, really amazing. And the energy was... Kind of like a fight club. Yeah, kind of is, yeah. And people just kind of... You could just get pulled in. Punched in the head. Pulled into the, the ring. Line. And then you like fight for 20 minutes and then you instantly you reflect reflect on that. And that was my like real transitional moment while I was there. I spent the first few days really not wanting to be there. And uh, But for some again, similarly, like didn't really know why I was there, but also knew that I kind of had to stay for some reason. And then that, my kind of ritual combat experience when they were, when I was kind of almost being interrogated after that, they kept asking me questions, how I felt about that experience. And I saw red in it as well. Like I just, a switch just flipped. Yeah, for a gentle, a gentle, yeah, sensitive yeah. man, just poof. Yeah, exactly. Like a, cause you start with a certain like kind of, uh, kind of strength of how hard, how, how hard you're going to fight each other. Like what kind of capacity, what percentage you're going to fight each other. So we were like 50, 50. Yeah. We're going to yeah. go 50%, you know? So and you then, punch each other in the chest to gauge what 50% is. And then, but I'd never been in a fight before. And by the time I got hit in the head at 50%, I was like, this guy's trying to kill me. <laughs> I was like, that, no way that was 50%. I'm not hitting him back with 50%. I'm going to 60. Yeah. And suddenly I was just at like as high as, like as high as I could be. Do you know what I mean? Like as 
giving it everything I've got for, for two minutes. And they had to stop in the middle being like, as I picked the rock up and I, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and but up, because it like it so much is like coming to the surface then and so many like so much di pent up animal <laughs> yeah. that kind or of even, like, primal expression. And, like just the, I remember the kind of the, the feelings that were coming into my head while I was there is like, I got, he, he, the other guy punched me in the face first. And the, one of the immediate thoughts in my head was like, man, everyone around me looking at me like I'm just this kid who's getting punched in the face. And I was had this like almost shame that I was being beaten. And it like, like it just brought up so many memories of different things happening when I'm a kid, like being laughed at or being like hit or being beat at football or like whatever it is. And I was just like, fuck this guy. And I just saw red and I just wanted to fight him. But after that, there's so much emotion kind of charging out of you after. Oh, yeah, that yeah. They ask you so many questions and I just broke down after that. Oh, so, I can imagine because so you're on such a high, your emotions. Yeah, are so that's what they try and do. They kind of, you go through a process that's meant to really test you. Bring um, it to the edge of yourself. Bring it to the edge of yourself. And then the point you start boiling over, they don't try, they don't put the lid back on. They, they allow you to- They the, encourage you the to whole, bubble. Everyone in your group kind of helps you. Bring. And there might be so many different ways. That might be in a, like, a three-way conversation like this. Like one person goes like, um, right, man one to man two, t tell them something that you're ashamed of that you haven't told anyone in this group yet. And man three, listen. And so man one says to man two, the thing that they're most ashamed of that they've done in their life or something. And man three listens and then man three has to, in 30 seconds, distill down what you just said in two minutes. So you've really listened. And that that really brought emotions out of people. You know, all, all these various, and they're not all like, obviously the the the, the the ritual combat one is like the classic kind of masculine one. You know, a lot of people look at that and go like, wow, this is just like a bunch of lads who want to have a fight. You know, that is by far the hardest, like the, the like the most macho thing that goes on there. Most of it's like one of the exercises is like massaging each other. You know, a lot of men have never even had that kind of masculine touch to be able to kind of like rely on your brothers for that kind of affection, for physical affection. Um, not like so much of our culture is about seeking that from women, from, from mothers, grandmothers, partners. Um, even to the degree of like only going and getting a massage if it's from a female masseuse, you know, and to be able to be like, no, you can, you can have that relationship and that exchange with a brother. And that bubbled loads of stuff to the surface for some men. So it's all different things. You know, I don't, I wasn't brought up in it in a culture where I wasn't allowed to cry. Like I wasn't, that wasn't me. You know, mine was actually off the other end. Like I was, I was, feel like I was brought up in touch with my emotions in many ways, was allowed to cry, wasn't told that I have to be this like hard as nails kind of man. But that comes with its other problems. And I've kind of learned later what, what that means and why maybe that goes too far. And like you kind of brought up the, the Marlborough man, a lot of people in antithesis to not wanting to be the Marlborough man become like the really kind of airy, really in touch with their feminine side. The snag, the sensitive new age guy. That exactly, yeah. And that comes with loads of lo loads of other problems well and fear it, of putting down boundaries yeah it's the exactly. ability to oscillate between the masculine and the feminine exactly and you don't want to be one or the other and i think i was like maybe still am to a degree but just like much more in touch with the other side and i never like to me being able to like showing assertiveness or setting boundaries was wrong like you're not like that shows anger you're just like so-and-so if you do that. You're That's just like your dad. You're just like your granddad. You're just like whatever. Like the, the kind of things that- Whereas you see in red, Sydney so was like, yeah! Yeah, exactly. I've forgotten this power. Yeah. So much <laughs> repression. Yeah. But other guys, it's like they've, they've come in with their dads teaching them how to fight and how to set boundaries, but they're also the ones that have spent night in prison cells. 
yeah. you know, and they've, they, they don't they know got, how to find the softness. And they don't know how to find the softness. So you kind of come together and like, it's not about being the reverse of each other. It's just bringing everyone back to the middle, you know? It really is that yin and yang. Exactly, yeah. Like the epitome of, like, they're just words, masculine and feminine, mm -hmm. like whatever people's gender or yeah. sexuality is, like it's really about finding the balance. They're between. just polarizing energies. It doesn't yeah. matter what you call them. Yeah, you know, yeah, just, polarizing energies. And it's just dancing with those with those two. And, and what did that do for you? What's that experience of going off and really spending time with 150 men with the focus of exploring to find this balance between these mm. polarizing energies. Like what was, what transformation happened with the new I just so much. And to see men who were representations of that balance, you know, men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, who just were examples of, of men that I could emulate, which felt like one of the, pretty much one of the first times in my life that I'd seen that, you know? And so I think I came away with like a sense of, I suppose a sense of hope to a degree that like I wasn't destined to be another toxic man. Like there was another avenue out there. There was like, I could suddenly be the apprentice I wanted to be, you know, not trying to be like, like someone in their twenties with like all the generations of men prior to me who I'd always been told were just like, men are bad, men are toxic. You don't want to be like your, your fathers, your grandfathers, all the men prior to you. Patriarch, we live yeah, in patriarch. Exactly. You know. Which are true things. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's not to say that like men are bad, you know, it's like the, the culture we've built for ourselves is based off immature, infa infantile versions of masculinity. That's what we live under. But then we call that masculinity. So that's what I mean how people come with the word with masculinity with so many different interpretations. And from the things I've read and the men I've met and the, and the things I've surrounded myself now, what, what I describe a man to be and what masculinity is would be a completely different thing I'd describe even three years ago, two years ago. And they just, the words just mean different things. We almost need a new word for it. You know, that's kind of, you, that's why language is so potent because it just becomes, you get lost in each other's words, you know, because they mean, they mean so much and they, and the words morph over time. Um, but I think the biggest thing I, I took away was, uh, being able to really prioritizing like brotherhood in my life i suppose i felt like there were, i had a distinct like lack of trust for men and, and almost hanging out with lads and going out yeah with like lads i was doing stuff I wasn't like a that. pack totally and now i've got a like thriving group of men in, in in the town i live in and we run together and and there's something fun about when you're a group of lads like yeah. messing and it's a different energy no, when there's a pack it's of men really totally. it can be it brings out this like oh i love yeah. this the lads talking crap what fun i feel like a five-year-old yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And I, and it's something I felt so deprived of because the idea, like when, as, as a teenager, as a, as a younger man or whatever, I'm like, if I'm hanging around with a group of lads, that implies we must be bad. Like only bad is going to be, is going to come of this, you know, put a load of lads together. Like you best, best watch yourself. Cause the chances are you're going to do some stuff that stupid stuff, some stupid stuff that someone's going to come along and be like, oh, fucking, that's an example of, of, of unhealthy masculinity, you know? So I never thought you could hang out in a, as a group. I never thought you could trust that environment. And it just showed me that you can, you know? Yeah, but it does take conscious, like, you know, like yeah, you're very totally conscious does, yeah. and considerate around it. And we've certainly been lucky that, you know, I guess it's changed for us over the last... But also we were born of four boys and went to all boys school. So mm -hmm. we knew that side of masculinity. That was what, mm -hmm. that was the jacket we wore all the yeah. time. It was how to explore the other side was. Yeah. Was yeah. more our yeah. It's challenge. amazing. It's I guess it's amazing journey for each one of us to find that balance and that wholeness. Yeah, wholeness. Yeah, mm -hmm. that absolutely wholeness that we can 
you know, be the same no matter who, you know, who we're talking yeah. to and whatnot. Yeah. And um, moving into like social media, mm-hmm. just to go back to that, because yeah, I yeah. think masculinity is fascinating. I adore it. But like, I'm curious about what brought you to social media and then how you're finding that balance now mm-hmm. as you're, you're, you're cutting a nerve, you're, there are people, many people following you and met, mm-hmm. this is digitally, of course, uh, but they're following you and they're curious about your message. How are you finding that balance between hating it, loving it? Wanting to break it, wanting to please others, wanting to throw it out, feeling addicted to it, all these yeah. bits. Like just to just battle with it every day, you know, because I'm, I'm like addicted to it at my core. And I'm like, and, but I also know my, my skills are in videography. That's all I've ever known. And I love chatting about the natural world and encouraging people to engage with it. And I'm just like between those two skills, just, just you got to try social media and it worked. So I was just like, I, I didn't almost just didn't expect it to. So now I'm someone with an Instagram account and people call me an influencer. Someone called me like a rewilding influencer the other day in like almost like a derogatory way. And did you kind of go, Ooh, shit, I'm like, part of me was, I was also like, as a 14 year old, if I knew I could be a rewilding influencer, that's what I would have tried to be. Um, <laughs> Job title, rewilding influencer. The career influencer. guidance people. Yeah, exactly. And um, so I just battle with it all the time. I don't know what the answer is. You know, I'd, I'm, I, the more time I spend there, and the more time, the more I live there, the worse everything else is. You know, it's a play, it's a shop front for me to put ideas. But if I like spend too much time engaging on it, it it like it dilutes everything else. I need to live somewhere else with it, and that's why I'm like considering going, like getting rid of my iPhone again. Although that's it's quite a tricky thing to do. Um, but the like, I think the channel had such a big explosion initially. It's because I didn't have an iPhone, and I'd ha- I come off the back of four months of no social media, no Netflix. You were very no, clear. any. I was just a. Comp- I was just completely Playing, clear. Creative play, with no attachment, not feeling any other people's expectations. Not, as well. Nothing at all. I was just posting what I wanted to do, and I just did it every day for a month to see what would happen, and it just took off. And that's where, like, I think I'm going to have most impact. That's where I'm going to feel best, and that's where I'm going to think that I'm going to make my best stuff is by not engaging with it at all. But the more you're on it, the more you feel like you need to engage. That's the, that's well, you got to play the game if you you're playing, playing the game. Yeah. A bit like you were saying oh, about the game. Because I see it as like, I guess we've been doing it for many years now and I see it as a double-edged sword. Yeah. It's something exactly. that has allowed me to connect with phenomenal people and mm-hmm. it's something has a cost to it too. And it's like, I notice if I'm fully immersed in something, I'm not near social media. No. Like I'm totally present with something. I'm only with social media when there's not Nothing something else, fascinating yeah. happening. And I kind of have to guard it i've kind of have to put tight parameters around mm-hmm. it. like and that it's like no be in the moment mm-hmm. and typically i'll use social media on the way to something or after something mm-hmm. but yeah. not during something not during something yeah typically mm-hmm. yeah but it's, it really is it, a hard but it's one. taken me years to find that balance and i sometimes fall out of it like it's just it's like mm-hmm. hanging around with as you said an addictive substance and it's like hey yeah crack cocaine in your pocket yeah yeah exactly yeah and then how is it to be a rewilding influencer seth it's weird. It's, I, don't, I don't even know. It's um, it's just not a position I ever thought I'd be in. You know, I've just that's I've been making money in like in a world of videography and video assistant and commercial videography for the last five years or so, and doing the odd surf film here and there. Um, and I didn't think so quickly. The way that I made money would change, you know, in a matter of months. Um, and it just keeps taking me to such amazing places. You know, I keep as much as I struggle with social media and have, and I have problems with it. Some of the, like pretty much all of the best things that have happened to me in my life have happened in the, in the last six months since I started. So 
it's just it's completely beautiful as well so i don't i don't really know it's just like this is what we're doing this i, I do live i can relate it in that this way. is where i live today i'm 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 a kid from from the united kingdom who has a smartphone who who's grown up in modern civilization and this is what we're doing so it's it's walking the line between both like i know that like i want to i need to have one foot in one world and one foot in the other and i don't know what even that means or why i need to feel like i need to do that but i want to be someone who helps other people remind them of their own nature i suppose and i don't do that by running off into the woods nor do i do that by completely engaging in society i have to be the person who lives on the bridge who just kind of like asks people if this they want to way... well not even pointing just asking if people want to come you know do you want to come play yeah just do you want to come play exactly and not not forcing anyone to do that not having any expectation that that's what we need to do to save the world or anything like that but just that it's a lot of fun on that side and we're missing out on a lot of good things of life. you said such a beautiful thing reminding people of their nature because we talk of nature oh nature's out there like nature's in the woods come on you come to play in nature it's like your nature, like, you know, <laughs> coming to, like, reminding people of their nature. Like, it's, ama it's a, that's an amazing distinction, even just even, in how even we speak. jungle in our microbiome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the rewilding process is, is an internal one and an external one. You know, there's the rewilding of woodland and, and land. Um, but more, more than that, it's the rewilding of your own, the rewilding spirit. of your own health, rewilding of your own spirit, the rewilding of your own mental health, the, the, the breaking down of like, you know, the rewilding of your own language almost and how you talk to, how you talk about things and how, how you talk to things and animals and plants and how much that like, uh, the way that we think and talk is, is dictated by a, a sense of like entitled colonialism, you know, and then a kind of a colonial mindset that is like so deep in, in, in Western culture. Um, as in the d dominant nature, the dominion yeah, over nature. Yeah, exactly. And that's obviously a very uh, convoluted topic. There's, there's lots there. And that kind of, yeah, that voice of dominion, that like humans are just here and then it's everything else. You're not part of like a circle of anything. You're just at the top and then everything's below you. You know, if that is your fundamental idea, whether you know it or not, that's your fundamental idea of the universe. That is how you act. And it doesn't matter almost how much you rewild out there. If you haven't, if you don't start to engage with the natural world from a rewilded headspace, you'll return to that dominion before you know it. And um, so I, I read a lot about kind of indigenous cultures that still exist read a lot about kind of hunter-gatherer culture how humans have lived for the vast majority of human history rather than the last ten thousand. to get a clearer understanding of how you would look in the world if you hadn't grown up in modern day 21st century culture and what the norm is for the humans wow well i guess i suppose industrial culture has only been the last 200 years really pretty much which yeah. is only probably i don't know less than one percent yeah. of human existence yeah. so you've got all this 99 point whatever nine percent of human evolution mm -hmm. which has been very different to the kind of capitalistic western yeah. cultures which we live in today urbanized you know separate to nature separate to our very nature yeah, separate, it's kind of split in yourself it's like it's it's the separation is within first you know that voice like should i shouldn't i like that the, the voice that talks to itself and the voice that talks to that voice and these kind of layers and layers and layers of voices rewilding is getting back to one voice in your head as well to me it's not like i don't think humans in their true not true nature 
have a million voices talking to each other in the way that maybe a dog doesn't, you know? No. And you only have to have the voice that tries to correct the other voice if you live in a world full of things that, that aren't good for you, but you want them, you know? Social media, alcohol, sweet food, cigarettes, porn, whatever. In a, a natural environment, there's very few things that you crave that badly that are that widely accessible. So you don't have to like talk your way in and out of it. There's not this split personality of what you should and shouldn't do. You can just interact with it. Oh my God, I found a hazelnut tree. Wow, yeah. I'm going to gorge on hazelnuts. Oh no, yeah. I've got to like go crack pick them and, and then drive. it takes me like 10 minutes to crack a nut and oh, yeah. it's still wet. Like I'm going to have to dry Even it out for three months. you have a cob nut in your driveway. You have a cob nut tree in your driveway and every year... We what? walk past them and I pick up a well, few Well, year for like three years because yeah. they've only lived in that house for three <laughs> yeah. years and we're still, we've got a new baby and all sorts of things. Okay, it's not friend. high up my priorities yeah, okay, at the yeah, moment. Well, okay, but that was even one thing I was thinking in terms of nature. You were talking about articulating it. Like I've got a new baby. So it's interesting. You walk along and you go, oh, look, oh, look, oh, look at this. Look, for yeah. you. look, there's trees here. And oh, look, that's a crow. And then I was only catching myself and going by, by articulate, putting words on something, it almost mm -hmm. like, like, I don't marvel at a crow. Like, oh, it's just a crow. Like, it's just a black bird. But then when I look at it through, like, a baby's eyes, it's like, whoa. It's this weird little animal that has these two legs and it walks really weird. And it's amazing. But I just thought it was a crow. Because mm -hmm. the word almost, like, makes you... Yeah. Think it's, it's generic. Think it's just... It's, oh, it's just a crow. It's just a tree. You know? But then it's like, wow. It's this thing that's coming out of the ground and its roots go just as deep down. And it's home to millions of creatures. That's so cool. I just thought it was a tree. Yeah. You know, just the language. And that's how the language blocks you in. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it's actually not the, the word tree that blocks you in. It's the that that blocks you in. Because if you go, who's that rather than what's that? You know, that's the difference between the way that we talk or, the, or, or animism, you know, where you see everything. Like we have quite a, a strong line for what's a who and what's an it. You know, a, a hum, humans are who's maybe a pet. Expand this. You go. Yeah, like, I, I lost you here, but I, I, like, I like where you're that, going. I think like Harry Potter of any magus, like yeah, somebody yeah, can yeah, change exactly. into an animal. Well, it's the way I you talk about. It's the Animism. way you talk about the natural I'll world. I've been a wolf, <laughs> and it's sure. like I'll be a fox. If you if we go out and have a conversation about that tree, we talk about it as an it as, or as an as a, or as a that. It's a it's an object rather than a subject. But if I talk to a human, I go. Oh, who's that who just walked in through the front door? Or even with a pet, you start, you who a pet as well. And Versus the tree, you go, who's that tree? Yeah. What's uh, that tree? You know, a, a lot of indigenous cultures don't talk about the natural world as that's and it's, but who's and he's and she's and they's. Oh, and beautiful. even that knows that you're... Even you saying this, my mind's gone... <laughs> cannot I know, it's weird, does isn't it? Not... <laughs> There's actually smoke coming out my right ear yeah. there. And that and that's what I mean by this kind of this rewilding of your inner of your inner brain and your fundamentals of how you think about about the world because it's in the language and the language dictates how you how you see it. Mm, and it's yeah. that like that's just a crow, man. That's just that's just a tree I've seen one a million times before. And if that's how you talk about things, you're you're looking for exotic versions of things now. It's like the reason why like a David Attenborough documentary is really exciting is because it's lions and it's tigers. It's things far away. It's stuff that you don't normally see. So suddenly the nature is something that's far away and exotic if it's worth looking at. It's not, nature isn't the pigeon in my back garden. It's not the dandelion growing out of the crack over there. They're all the same thing. They're all just- Life. Just living. all just life, different expressions of, of the same thing. All as, you couldn't put them on a beauty hierarchy. You know, they're the, like, they're all just the same to me, to me now, anyway. And mm. um, so, how does one go about? Okay, it's a beautiful idea. Like it really it. is. So how does one? Okay, let's just say I'm, 
I'm John and I'm from Middlesbrough mm-hmm. and I'm listening to this and I'm going, jeez, this is, I'm, I'm lit. So as a rewilding influencer, how do I make an <laughs> effort or start You fit that in like change? four times now. Well I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun with this. I'm enjoying poking <laughs> holes. Sorry. Um, but like, uh, how, where do I start? How do I, I kind of go, Seth, this is in. I'm, I'm in. Like I'm going to go out with my brothers and we're going to have a fight now. But like, how do I, how do I even start this idea of rewilding? Cause every time I put out the rubbish, I'm wrought with guilt because mm-hmm. I see all this plastic here and yet I'm buying organic and I'm buying, I'm trying to feed my family good and I'm trying to support good farmer, but it's fucking plastic here. Yeah. So, so like, how does one start and where does one start? Or what would you recommend? For I don't channel? know. I don't really know. And okay. It would be different for everyone. And what I know has been true for me is really honing in on my local environment, you know, starting to find as much beauty and as much excitement out of the, the expressions of nature in my immediate environment as I would from a David Attenborough documentary. So connect in with your locality. With your locality. We, we live in a culture where we always, ex- far away. It's always far away. Different it's always Bali, I want to go to Costa Rica. Mm. Oh, that's yeah. going to have the answers. Whereas we don't set up, like we'd sooner go to Spain than our backyard. Exactly, Whereas it's yeah. like, how do we, how do we cultivate this? Because I'm into this. Yeah, it's, it's exactly that. And it's, Localism. It's realizing that like, yeah, localism. And it's like, you know, I don't know how much we're all going to be able to like, travel over the next few decades who knows what what's going to change with kind of availability to fossil fuels and being able, and be able to kind of just at the drop of a hat jump on a plane and, and go somewhere to see something exotic and different i'm like way more interested in like taking the energy i would have applied to going somewhere and seeing something exotic and getting that same enjoyment in in the back garden or in a park or in uh, by the sea or something like that and trying to imagine what the landscape like the, the landscape that you li- that everyone lived on at one point would have been a wilderness area with incredible biodiversity. It's not like p- people go, oh, wow, like, these places all around the world with this amazing biodiversity, there's, the life there is so amazing. Implying that where they are Lacks. was never that. It was all that at one point. That's what life is. It was all, we've taken that away. And I think I just get really excited about turning like Europe or Britain or even the Southwest of England where I, where I am into like rekindling that. And I think that that's what, where the rewilding of the land comes in, where you take a, an ex, you get excited about what that bit of land could look like, how biodiverse that bit could be. Could you get as excited about that park that if you put your love and, and effort into, even if it's just emotional love and effort, how amazing could that be kind of over the next five, 10 years, 20 years? Yeah, friend Mary Reynolds, she did a little experiment. She, um, she's got a cool land where she rewilds it and there's one particular spruce tree that she talks to that's Kevin one out of them all and when she talks to Kevin Kevin ironically is twice the size of the rest of the spruce trees and that's like the emotional connection and literally hello my favourite who are you exactly (laughs) and it just wants like the natural world wants to be interacted with Mm. and it's like waiting for us to do so I think and I think like one thing that comes up with me is that like my children and they're 13, 10 and 7 they can all name the top brands in the world mm. but they can't name 10 local trees yeah yeah so it's like what well, am that, I that's on that, us that, that's, yeah. on, that's on me yeah. like I see that as going oh jeez yeah I know. hello on, guilt my dear friend yeah yeah <laughs> I think that connecting to locality and that's easier for some people than others because some people don't live in places where there's even a sliver of nature connection um, but knowing that it could be there you could cultivate that 
some way. But it's we all have agency and what we do every moment dictates how the world is going to change. Like it's the idea of disconnection that I can't possibly influence the world. It's like you can't not. Mm. Even me moving my finger now yeah, is changing the world. Yeah. Like it's like every single one of us has more the agency. Butterfly effect. Effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's like it's move your finger effect. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. You said there that was one great tip. It was so realizing that it local in your local area, there's bound to be lots of nature and mm -hmm. form a relationship with it. It's yeah. it's really connecting with your own very nature. Yeah. And how to remove the separation from it? Like the what, idea. What else would you think of is a good way of this this journey of rewilding or reconnecting? Really, it's or remembering. Mm. You know, it, it's all words which we're trying to articulate yeah. the same thing. I think there's so many different ways to interact with nature. Like the, the art with your nature. Yeah. With, you know, the, I mean, the typical way of doing it is like through the eyes. It's like watching like, oh, I'm, I'm into nature. So therefore I'm a bird watcher. I go out and look at birds. Like that's one way of interacting with nature, but it's quite a, it's not particularly engaging way. Like that's one of the reasons why I love foraging and eating wild food. You know, even if you're just going and picking nettles and drinking nettle tea, that's a way of, of interacting with the natural world that isn't just purely through like, I'm this separate entity that's walking into the woods as a modern human, and I'm just gonna look at things. Suddenly you're bending down, you're in the soil, you're picking plants, you're then gonna drink that, you're gonna ingest it, you're gonna get the, the microbiome from the woods, you're gonna get the health benefits of that plant. Suddenly you're engaging with it in all your senses. Um, so I think having just like, just a bit really basic understanding of what plants are what, what trees are what, and, and getting into small amounts of foraging and drinking some kind of hedgerow teas and things like that. There's just so many other ways to interact with the natural world than just through your eyes, I think. Yeah, even uh, when I was listening to you on Tony Riddle, Tony was talking about where he took a group all blindfolded, mm -hmm. walking through the forest and just like one, you got to practice trust, trust in the yeah. person and, and two, because you're blindfolded, your your hearing is like lit and so is your smell and so mm. is your touch and you, you experience the forest totally different. I thought, that's trippy. I guess there's a, I guess what we're saying here is there's a million different routes to it, but I guess it starts with one's own awareness and realizing that, and, and that, you're, that your very nature is connection to the natural mm -hmm. world because you're inherently just you are the natural world. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's not something to go and you're not like going and visiting. So it's not like going to a theme park, you know. That's the way that it's spoken about. Like I'm gonna go to the park, I'm gonna go to, to I'm nature. going to visit nature. Yeah. It it's more like jumping like into the ocean or something, you know, like you're, you're reintegrating with your home as opposed from going visiting something that you're just like kind of external from. Well, it's almost the analogy, like we grew up learning Ir the Irish language yeah. in school and it was kind of bet into you. Like it, you hated it. You, everyone just naturally, nearly everyone resisted it and found mm -hmm. it backward and wasn't really into it. And it's only been in the last number of years we've got back into learning it and realizing that, oh my God, this is such a gateway mm -hmm. to our culture, to this random rock which we live in in the North Atlantic yeah. like and the whole culture and the you know the thousands of years of people living here this language has so many keys to it and it's it kind of almost feels like the same journey that we're mm. all on back to reconnecting to our own nature and the natural world yeah so so before we wrap this like what what like looking forward into the future mm -hmm. as a 25 year old with all the you know the the earthly problems going on and the mm -hmm. natural world and, and the cities. power of a wildness. Uh, what are we calling the wildness? Rewilding influencer. Like what? Like what do you hope for? Or what are you worried about? Or where do you where do you look to the future? Like what excites you? What what gives you hope? I mean, I think I think really people like I'm not gonna lie. I think people like you really give me hope. You know, like people who are older than me, older men who are establishing things in their local community. Like you guys are an amazing example of, of committing to locality, whether it's through like nature's in going for the woods and foraging, but 
having supplying kind of real food for your community. That's the same as what I'm talking about. And things like that give me hope. People who, who are committing to place, who see the value in, in, in investing in local community and who care about the, the holistic health of all the members of that. And that is happening. There's a lot of that. Um, it might not be the biggest thing in the world, but it's like a lot of people are really being part of that kind of party, you know? So that gives me hope. So thank you guys. Really appreciate it. No, I think. And um, I think I, I think where I, f one of my fears would be like having my, having my health taken away from me f from systemic changes. And I think food is such a big part of things for me and access to real food and access to clean water and access to, I think phys like physical, being robbed of physical and mental health is something that bothers me. It, like, even when I go to London now, it seems like the, the quality of food just in a Tesco in London is completely different to, or just any supermarket in London is, seems to be different to even the food you'd get in Cornwall and the way that it makes me feel and how clear or sharp that makes me feel or, or, or dumbed down that makes me feel. And I worry about a future where you can't get access to real food i think yeah well now like nearly 60 percent of calories that we're eating in the uk and ireland are ultra processed mm. foods and in most first world industrial nations like so over the last decade it's probably gone from you know we've seen it in our lifetime dramatically go from like i just see the amount of stuff my kids are exposed to, mm -hmm. and it's 10x to what we were exposed to their yeah. age 20x we used to get a treat on a Friday night and you got a crunchy bar or a... And then on a Sunday you get something from Granny. And that, that was that was it. Like, they, they were your only outlets. You got a couple for, of pickies. Yeah, like a homemade flapjack or like... Yeah, yeah. A, and to have 10 p Like, and now I'm, I feel like I'm going back in time, but like... A shilling? I see my kids with <laughs> Revolut cards and they're yeah. like 12 and they're going out to meet their friends to go for dinner and you're going, oh my God, I don't think I ever went out for dinner with my friends until I was... Way older than like thirty-five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've had our first meal out there recently. <laughs> Some funny, but yeah. Anyway, the woes yeah. of modern life. Uh, any closing remarks to land this ship, Seth? You, it's I've really enjoyed. I love the fact that you. It's great to hang out with a, a rewilding influencer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to say. No, I admire the fact that you really ponder things. Yeah, this great philosophical. Like you're, you're, you've amazing mind for a twenty-five yeah. year old. Oh, like you're well, really open to. Yeah, you're really open. Like really, you're like an antenna yeah. for loads of interesting <laughs> topics. Oh man, I know nothing. Fun really. to talk. Know nothing. None, really. of none of us do. But yeah. Yeah. whatever yeah. age we yeah. are, it's the eye. It's just exactly. coming out of you anyway. Yeah. Really, it's the bugs inside of us that are doing all the talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Possibly. Who the hell knows? Yeah. No, thank you guys. Appreciate being on here with you. And being shown around and everything. It's really privileged. Yeah. Great. Mm. I feel way full from since I've been here. <laughs> 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 and, and we've dinner. If you're gonna stay around, we've dinner yeah. at half seven. But uh, you're gonna have to go for a big run or something just to bring exactly. up calories yeah. <laughs> exactly. there. But uh, thanks a million. and wish you all the best with everything. We're always here to help yeah. and uh keep keep searching, keep delving, keep uh, We're happy to be your brothers. Reconnecting. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you, brothers. Yeah. Appreciate you. Let's go have a ritual fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While we have you, once a week we write a newsletter. It's called Happier. It's got simple, tried and tested practices to make your life better. We include recipes and practices that you can apply on a daily basis 
to make your life happier. We've had lots of people say before that it's really helped make their life better. So you can sign up on the happypairs.ie, our weekly newsletter called Happier.